the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thank you for tuning in and watching live. Smash that subscribe to the channel. Smash that like button on this video. We appreciate it. You can come and jump in the chat if you are listening to this on an audio platform or later on or watching. Guess what? You can be an active participant even though you aren't in the chat. How can you do that? You can leave us a mailbag question. Leave us a five-star review. In that review, put your mailbag question. We will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. The mailbag is on the way. We are going to dive in there. Taking a look at the Michigan Wolverines, both sort of big picture and also immediately as it pertains to the recruiting trail. Uh, Some cover three over-unders that were submitted by a listener that we like a lot and uh, a unique look at who we think some of the more you know entertaining teams of college football might be in 2022. But we hinted at it as we were doing the ACC win totals earlier in the week. Remember Atlantic on Monday, Coastal on Wednesday. Go back and check those out if you haven't already. Big Ten Media Days was this week. Kevin Warren got up at the podium. He was aggressive. He was uh, not brazen but I will at least say that you know he was talking a big game about you know where the Big Ten ha- had come from, what could potentially be in the future. Uh, some notes that I do think are important are, number one, that he has not ruled out any further expansion beyond the 16-team membership that will be once USC and UCLA are added to the fold in a few years. He is sending messages that might be uh, a little bit mixed or, you know, going against what we've heard from some other athletic directors in the Big Ten. He also has said that he is in favor of college football playoff expansion. Of course, that news coming as the Big Ten was one of three conferences to vote against college football playoff expansion uh, when they had that eight to three vote a little bit earlier on in the year. There are some other issues that came up as well, but the one thing that was interesting to me, uh, Dennis Dodd, had a report for CBSSports.com from uh, the Big Ten Media Days where he indicated that Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington were uh, some of the potential schools that were being evaluated by the Big Ten if there is going to be further expansion. Those are not unfamiliar names as we've had these discussions on the Cover 3 podcast about who might be in the line for the Big Ten for many reasons that we've detailed. But he also said in that report that the way that Kevin Warren was talking, you know, made some around college sports, you know, perk up like, oh, okay, all right. He's, you know, this isn't exactly calming the waters right now as it pertains to conference realignment, 
So I, I guess I wanted to start with, was there anything from Kevin Warren's address or anything from the buzz around or reporting around Big Ten Media Days that leads you to believe that we are on the verge of uh, more moves in the conference realignment chess game anytime soon? No. Okay. Confident? Uh, as confident as you can be. I, 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 okay, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford are being evaluated. Well, duh. Like I mean, that, I think they're being evaluated by everybody. Like yeah, if you like, think the Pac-12 is about to fall apart, you do your research and you get your book reports together on all these schools so that you don't have to do it in a hasty way if the Pac-12 does fall apart. Yeah, the Big Ten's not moving again until Notre Dame makes a decision about what it's going to do. And maybe Notre Dame has made the decision, but we, there's been reports, you know, Notre Dame's out there looking for like $75 million a year in a TV deal. And if it can get that, it's going to stay independent. But if Notre Dame does stay independent and says no to the Big Ten, and the Big Ten has to add two schools, which two of those four together without Notre Dame bring, you know, added value to your television deal and to your conference partners as far as what you'll be able to give out? I don't know that those two on their own without, like, Cal and Stanford, I don't think so. Oregon and Washington, I think, would be the more attractive, but money-wise, do those two alone make enough money to make it worth it for everybody in the conference? I don't know. That would be up to the TV markets, but I just... I mean, I touched on it a little bit yesterday. Nothing Kevin Warren said this week made me feel good. If you had to bet, uh, better odds that Stanford and Cal are in the Big Ten in 10 years or that they're not playing FBS football in 10 years? Big Ten? Yeah. yeah I would not, go like I would go not playing football. I would, I would say it's more likely they're in the Big Ten, but I don't think they'd be like some huge favorite because I still – I, I could see – we've talked about it plenty of times. I could see Cal giving up football. I don't think Stanford's going to give up football. Right. See, I didn't think so either, but like I, I, I heard Pat Forty talk the other day, and his daughter swam at Stanford, and he was kind of like, eh, I don't know how serious they – you know what I mean? Like, like they don't have to do this, even though they have all the money in the world. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Stanford has the issue where they lose all these kids uh, who should have that extra year because they can't get into grad school at Stanford, right? It's just it, – it's a tough thing. Um Dodd did not have Miami, Florida State, and North Carolina, right? No. In, in his report. Mc, no. McMurphy did. I would put all three of those above the Big Ten trying to expand further west because if the Big Ten's partner is going to be Fox, Fox does not have those regionals anymore, right, because it's Bally's. So they do not have all these super late-night TV slots they need to fill. They probably just want to have one, maybe two late-night TV slots they can fill, and they can achieve that with the best properties on the West coast, which, which they just got. I don't know that Fox needs to have additional uh, late night TV slots to fill unless that's going to be the secondary partner for the big 10 needing those. Cause Kevin Warren talked about wanting to have a, you know, a broadcast partner and then more of a, a digital partner, but I'm not really clear, Tom, like I know you were listening to it pretty hard. Do you think that meant sort of, we're assuming Fox plus the Big Ten Network as the secondary, or is it like Big Ten Network just exists, Fox plus another thing? I I, I have no inside information, or I think it'll be Fox. I think the Big Ten Network will still get stuff, and I think there will be another partner, whether that's CBS, NBC, whoever that ends up being. I think they will get some piece of it, but I just – I'm too depressed now because 
we're talking about this isn't like you just said, well, you know, Fox doesn't have, doesn't need to fill its West coast slots as badly. Like that's what this is. Yeah. yeah this, is. Is a, this is a college yeah. football podcast and you're doing and talking media, about media analysis, filling time slots for content for their streaming services. Like this is what this I mean. Why like, bowl games it, exist guys. Yeah. Like this, they're the not hires all these bowls because ESPN needs some content mm-hmm. to throw on during the day when you're home from work over the holidays. Yeah. Like the conferences are just, their content now. And like I said yesterday, on yesterday's show, like Kevin Warren said, he was really excited about USC and UCLA because of the content that they'll be able to produce together. Like, dude, it's, I almost swore, it's a football game. It's, why are we talking about it like it's a freaking YouTube short or it's an Instagram live? It's like, come on. I, I just hate this. Like, and he said, you know, they're going to disrupt the industry. And like you said, Chip, he's making I love that line, by the way. I to that. It's like, yeah, he's disrupting by you know, floating it out. We could, you know, we, we could be expanding. You know, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to do this. It's like, it's just run a damn conference, man. You're not running a television network. So the athletic directors, uh, Iowa's athletic director, I believe, Gary Barta, I believe, uh, he said this uh, several weeks ago. And then uh, even more recently with some of the administrators that were around the Big Ten, it seems like on a school-by-school basis within the Big Ten, they're comfortable where they are. And they it's not that they are stating that they are against expansion or any expansion that, like you mentioned, Tom, might include Notre Dame. But as they have been contacted, I think that their analysis is much like we were saying with any of these West Coast editions where my pie would get smaller. And it was even mentioned in the Dodd article that you know, while USC and UCLA, it was confirmed this week, will be joining the Big Ten as full members, aka full checks that match mm-hmm. everything else that everyone else gets. That if you were to add in an Oregon, a Washington, a Stanford, or a Cal, that they might have to get smaller revenue checks. And if that's going to be the case, boy, now we're starting to really disrupt the big happy family. And how are yeah. we going to go and figure this out? My sense that I've gotten as it pertains, I want to get, I want to get to college football playoff expansion too before we get into the mailbag. Um, my sense that I've gotten is that while the Big Ten as a conference might be evaluating all of its next moves, and these next moves might not come for a long time, the conference membership, which has to vote on these issues in order to be able to add new members, are looking at much many of the options uh, that are out there available and thinking that adding them to the table only means we get less money per school per year. Uh, yeah, but I will say... For Stanford, a lot of school presidents will happily vote to add Stanford to the Big Ten because then they get to pretend that, you know, we are in the same academic realm as Stanford. Being a Big Ten school hasn't like an academic like that's a Yeah, it is, but you're they're not there aren't many Stanfords in the Big Ten though. I don't think the Big Ten's gonna change its name. Very, very quick sidebar, right? You can't mess up that branding. There's you you haven't changed it even though you haven't had ten teams for a very long time. So whether it's eleven, twelve. 14, 16, 18, 20, 24. I think we're still calling it the Big Ten, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because that's all that matters now is the brand. The brand has to be strong. All right. College the other thing is, it ahead. may not make, sorry, last thing, it may not make them more money per school right now, but there is sort of an aspect of we need to try to gather up the best possible additions because we know we're going to go to a bigger conference eventually because we expect the SEC to do so at some point. So even though we may not make more money per school right now, this is protecting us from being a second-class conference compared to the SEC down the line. It's why you want to go out and get the best possible schools that you can, even if in the short term it doesn't make you more money. 
Well, here's a question for you. Being, quote, unquote, second class to the SEC, what the hell does that even mean? I mean, what, what, what's, well, in, what's the punishment? Like, what's, what's the field, downside? Well, the downside is money, right? And oh, so our schools, coaches, our schools are only making $100 million a year. Oh, right. God, how are we going to survive? This is, this is the – it's just – it's a – that's Kevin contest. Warren's job, though. It but is I'm a pissing saying, contest. It's just who can get the biggest check. I mean, who the hell cares, man? It's, right. I, it's like fans shouldn't care. I mean, I I got into this with uh with Maryland fans, right? Because like like Talia was like, hey, our goal is to win the Big Ten. I was like, well, dude, I mean, it's not your call on this, but Maryland took a check because they needed the money and they traded the chance to ever win a conference title again in football, basically, unless things drastically change, for the check. Maryland's there now to give you that DC market, that Baltimore market, and to take some losses. That's what it is. So, like, no, you're not going to win a Big Ten title ever, Maryland. Probably. I mean, I'll be dead before they do, I would, I would assume. You know, but it's not really good for fans. I, no. I thought about this. Like, like, why are Mississippi State fans cheerleading the addition of Texas and Oklahoma? That just means that the odds that you have a really special team and that team cashes in with a title. Decrease because it's two more teams that are better than your program. And it's like, yeah, like how much money we're making now. If you're if you're one of these top tier teams, awesome, cool. The money you may find a way to spend the money, it really helps you. If you're like Mississippi State, or if you're one of these lower tier teams that actually cares about football, because I think like some of these schools, like if Duke were, were to join, they don't really give a damn about football for the most part, but they'll be able to like, hey, well, we can use hundred million in basketball pretty well. But if you're one of these lower tier programs that actually cares about football. Expansion is not really a good thing for you of these leagues because it just you're gonna be like, hey man, you remember when that one of our best teams of all time by the power ratings went eight and four? Mm-hmm. That's what's gonna happen. Just, it's, but you could still make the college football playoff if we've got sixteen teams and nothing no, but automatic no. qualifiers. Because another no, no headline, automatic qualifiers, none. <laughs> no, another headline to come out of this week is. Uh, number one, Kevin Warren says, I'm in favor of college football playoff expansion. Again, he voted against it. But, you know, I, I say that with the very quick follow that what he voted against was a 12 team model that included it all being owned and run by ESPN. And yes. he said, I'm in favor of multiple media rights partners, which, yes. uh, as Bud just mentioned, means that the, uh, the media rights giant that rhymes with stocks. Uh, probably would like to get some of that college football playoff. And so he would like to see multiple media partners. He would like to see the college football playoff divvied up. He would like to see it expanded. He also has said uh, via Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic that he is softening his stance on automatic qualifiers. And so as they're all coming to the negotiating table, oh, by the way, little birdie over here, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith said, you can't ignore all the talk of 16. Gene, who said 16? Who was talking about 16? Who was talking about it? So I'm all for 16. I feel like we're just we're we're moving the Overton window. We're throwing out all these different trial balloons. We're trying to uh, zero in on what the negotiations are going to be. We've got two upcoming meetings, and again, no expansion before the initial contract runs out. Uh, and so we'll be entering a new college football playoff era in 2026. So you know whether it is uh, automatic qualifiers that seems to be something that's negotiable the media rights partners that seems non-negotiable it seems like that is something that uh you know the big 10 is going to lead the charge on and try to make sure that 
there are multiple bidders and the college football playoff is awarded to multiple networks. Number three, the number apparently is something that's negotiable. Uh, where do we land on this? And, and what were your thoughts on some of the, you know, conference, some of the like Kevin Warren, Gene Smith, uh, some of the posturing that's been done this week about the future of the playoff. I, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like, yeah, the big 10 voted against the playoff expansion originally, but it had nothing to do with expansion. It was just, yeah. they wanted to delay it until they can get more bidders to increase the money that they could get for it. My biggest thing wasn't even the 16 teams, which I'm firmly against, but honestly, once you go to eight, 12, 16, what the hell does it matter? There's still only going to be four or five teams in any given year that can win it, no matter how big your playoff field is. But for me, it was, Warren saying he softened his stance on automatic qualifiers. So we're going to have a 16 team playoff, which is seven SEC teams, four Big Ten teams, and then five teams from other places. Cool. Because well, that's going to be super exciting every year. Do you think Kevin Warren actually wanted automatic qualifiers, or do you think he just hung on to the automatic qualifiers as a way or as an excuse to vote no when the real reason for voting no was we're going to sign with Fox? We want Fox to get a piece of this playoff, not just ESPN, since ESPN owns the SEC. No, that's like, I don't ever believe that Kevin Warren wanted automatic qualifiers. I think that was an easy excuse to vote no on this thing. That's 100% what it was for the most part. But it's the same time. How could you argue out of one side that you're worried about your own conference and you're trying to do what's best for your conference and then say you don't want automatic qualifiers when we all know how that's going to end up? It Which is conference, best for the conference is, though. Right? No, it's not. It's not going to be best for the Big Ten to have seven SEC teams in the playoff every year. How is that well, good for the Big Ten? So well, they get the I, I shit kicked out of them by the SEC every season? Without automatic qualifiers, wouldn't the Big Ten get more teams as a percentage of the pie? Yeah, but... I mean, you, Kevin Warren's goal you is not to the make same money person, for the Big Ten. Were you not the same person who 10 minutes ago who said it was important for the Big Ten not to play second fiddle to the SEC, but so at least this way you're getting four teams in and they're all losing the SEC teams? Aren't you still second fiddle to the SEC? You are. And I look on the field, you've been second fiddle to the SEC for a long, long time, right? Like the only team mm-hmm. that has won a title in anybody. Well, I guess Michigan shared a title. So but if you, know, you create like, a format, money wise, you're not second fiddle. If you create a format which allows the SEC to get more teams in than everybody else, how the hell are you ever going to catch the SEC? I don't think you're going to have materially more SEC teams than you will Big Ten teams. Maybe one a year, but I don't think you're going to have a scenario where you're getting eight SEC and only three Big Ten. If you there's win a lot nine more games bad Big SEC, Ten to beat up on and elevate your record. If you win nine games in the SEC, there's like a law, there's like an amendment to the Constitution that says you have to be ranked in the top ten. All right, look, are you six, kidding me? But sixteen opens the door. Okay, to Wisconsin, so what, what do you think will be the normal split? Like, when we think right, about in the, the fourteen model, in a fourteen model, Wisconsin, Penn State. Like there have been Big Ten teams and programs that have been knocking on the door just on the outside looking in. That I do think in a 16 team model would be able to give the big 10 a representation that to Bud's point is maybe not the exact number for number of the sec, but is definitely going to be further ahead of most of the other conferences. I I don't think the sec is going to have seven teams, but I do think that you're going to in a 16 team field, you are frequently going to see five sec teams in there frequently. So they're going to be making up about a third of the field on average. And honestly, that's probably not representative of how many SEC teams are truly among the top 16. Because mm-hmm. normally I think it's probably about eight. Yeah. You know, like, but f- five, to, to your point, if we have five SEC teams, have you seen any plans of what a 16 team would look like in terms of there's no auto bids, but you're going to want to avoid antitrust. So you're probably going to find some way to get some of these G5 teams with good records in there, right? Um, how many non-SEC Big Ten teams are, are getting in on a 16 playoff annually. 
seven, eight. Yeah. But if you break away from the NCAA and your playoff, you're just your own self-governing thing and you are giving, you know, you're paying players and you're doing all that, would you have to worry about antitrust laws if you're now suddenly a private entity? Uh, Whereas well, it's like you, the Big Ten, question. and a quote-unquote third league. And then it's right. just like, ah, well, just eight SEC teams, eight Big Ten teams, F everybody else. I, th- I think that if you say this is an open playoff this is an open championship available to all bowl eligible 131 fbs teams no automatic qualifiers just top 16 teams get in then that's how you avoid you know getting sued for collusion because you're going to back model it and you're going to find all of these 11 and 1 12 and 0 teams that have all finished in the top 16 you're going to be able to well, say that at 16, we've been able to get in Coastal Carolina. We've been able to get in uh, you know, UCF. We've been able to get in Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl year, not just the playoff year. Like You you start to build this an, an argument that says we want to make this as big as possible. We want to make this as open as possible instead of getting hung up in the automatic qualifiers when in reality, you know that all you're going to get is the bigger brands and the best programs because the selection committee has already shown with the way that they've picked the playoff in the past that they are going to favor um, the teams that pass the eye test. The eye test has the best talent and oftentimes the bigger budget and the biggest brands. One thing I like about sorry, go ahead. Tom. No, you go. I've been cutting you off all damn day, so you. Go. Oh, I usually cut you off. So this is turnabout. I, I like it. Um, so I do like the idea of sixteen in that I think it will create more on-campus games. And just from talking to different guys, administrators and whatnot, one of the things they did not like about the original proposal was how many of these games were taking place at bowl sites. And they like, look, man, we're already asking. Our, our fans to travel to Atlanta for the SEC title game or Charlotte or Indianapolis. Is it in any, any long-term now? That's probably I'm the permanent home. Pretty sure. I don't know if it's like long-term contractually agreed, but yeah, I think they should is. play it in soldier field though. I, in my opinion, that would be awesome. Does it have a dome yet? I mean, it's soldier field. No, I'm it, saying that's why it's big. 10. When, like, when the, when the bears build their new stadium in Arlington Heights, I'm pretty sure that Chicago will then become a possible destination, but not now. Um, so, I think you would have more home games, uh, which would be interesting. I also wonder if they make it open, if they just make it very mathematical, uh, which, of course, there's some downsides to that. We saw with the BCS at times. It could be kind of gamed. But if you made it more strength of schedule based, that's how you keep out the G5 teams that you don't want because that that's how, like, hey, man, sorry. You have to play really hard strength of schedule if you want to get into the national playoff. You can't just game your way to 11-1 and one and expect to get in. Uh, and then your anti-competitive complaint is, well, hey, how do we do that if you guys won't play us? And I'm like, oh, sorry, right? Uh, that's what the metric says. Yeah, I, I, more home games would be good. I just think, like, if you're not going to have automatic qualifiers and kind of like what you're saying, I think they're, you know, the BCS or whatever, there needs to be a formula that is not human poll related in any way. It needs to be completely just metrics. You decide on what the metrics are, you weight things how you weight them, and you have to be completely open about how the process works, and you have it based on that kind of formula where conference wins, maybe you weigh them more, you weight like you, like non-conference conference, you can decide if there's a strength of schedule metric to that, but I think that conference wins need to be weighted equally. Like, I think a Big 12 win needs to be just as equal to an SEC win, even though Met like power ranking wise, not the case, but that'll never happen. We know that. Yeah, I would like it not to be power rating based, even though power ratings ideally are going to give you the best teams. I this is college football. I 
I do think that a, l- a little bit of my older senses would say I'd, I'd like to reward the lack of yeah. losses. I think yeah. the rankings should be merit-based, not predictive. I agree merit-based, but you can also do like strength of record, which, which is, is merit-based, um, because you can game your way to a really mm-hmm. good record, like just by not playing anybody. Mm-hmm. And there are teams that do that annually. And so part of this is if you make it mostly based on, you know, like your strength of record, which is heavily incorporated with, you know, with, with schedule strength. And I would put a dominance factor in there because I do think like that's an important thing that we left. We lost with the BCS when they took it out and the BCS results got worse. But that aside, you will have much better regular seasons, even though we're going to talk about, hey, the playoffs take away from the regular season. If you make this thing heavily dependent on strength of schedule and strength of record, you know that you will have to schedule up mm-hmm. in, or, in order to make it in. So that is how we don't have the regular season be uh, quite as devalued as I think it could be otherwise if we go to 16. Also, I think 16 creates buys, right? You would have to give the top four buys, and then you have like 512. And- no. No, if 16, makes it? It, yeah, 16 makes it an even bracket. Just line it up like the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. regional. You wouldn't want to give them buys? Uh, 12 gives you buys. 16. Sorry, 12 gives you buys. Yes. 16 yeah. is just the line them 16, up. You're, you're playing 16 and then you're playing 8, 9, and so on. I, How often I, is a 1v to 16 then in this? I mean, it, not that? often at all. It's going to be no different than the basketball. Well, no, no, no. Totally disagree. Oh, no, you're right. Because every there could be a year where a 16 team is just a blue blood having a down season. Well, and a, and a 1 versus 16 in basketball is really a 1 versus 64. Yeah. This is like uh, a 1v4. It's more like a one versus like 268. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, right. Because the, the 351 uh, mm-hmm. teams in the, in the sport uh-huh. and you're, uh, you're, you're like your predictive rating metric, your power rating of those 16 seeds are often outside of the top 200. But I, I too, like if we're going to do like this metric, though, like you said, the, they should include margin of victory. And if you're worried about teams running it up, just cap the margin of you know victory at a certain point, whether yeah. it's like 20. I mean, that's what I do in my ratings. I cap it at 25 points. I just you could do like at, at what point does the game enter statistical garbage time? Yeah. Which, which would reward you for, you know, blowing teams out early, not piling on late. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. Um, one more theory here. I want to kick at you guys. Um so when I first heard the 16, and it was right on the heels of Kevin Warren talking about his own thoughts on, on expansion, I thought about it very simply. And again, this is the way that my brain is broken, where we should not be talking about media rights and media watch here on the Cover 3 podcast. But if you're going to divvy it up, then 16 is just more games. Yeah. Like, if, like ESPN is still going to want to have as many games as possible. And if you're going to bring somebody else to the table, they would like to have as many games as possible. No one's going to get the whole daggum playoff. So what do we do? We just create more games to divvy up. So it's like the talk of 16, you just can't ignore. And it's like, well, we haven't been talking about it. Oh, but maybe you have in those conversations with your consultants as you've been getting together and going over how much more money can be made if we create these more games as we divvy them up between the networks. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Like if you go to 16 and say it's Fox and ESPN who end up having the rights to it. And the Cover 3 podcast, we will submit our bid of Butcher Box Meat. (laughs) Our bid for college football playoff coverage, which includes live streams on YouTube.com slash Cover 3 with live commentary from us, we will pay Butcher Box Meat for the rights to be able to have one college football playoff game. 
but it's easy to divvy up. If it's two broadcast partners, each gets seven a year, and then they rotate who gets the title game. If you go to three, each gets five a year, and you rotate who gets the title game on a three-year basis. You know, it's that's what it's going to end up looking like. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. You know, we had to check off that list for the upcoming season. Like, which which products would you endorse? Right. Dude, like, if Just for Men consultants are watching, we could do like the Just for Men like brush in beard gel. Like, look at look at this show. <laughs> I mean, like, we're we're like perfect for this. Everybody's like, going going gray. This, I mean, we could really just. I like the gray in my beard. Yeah, All of a sudden, yeah, we're just yeah, like was... jet black one day. Yeah. Like, no, I like the gray in my yeah, beard. I think it gives me an air of of intelligence that listening to me simply doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I treated it like iTunes, ter iTunes terms and conditions. I just checked all, agreed. Yeah. Sort of whatever. Just like feminine products. You know yes. it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. We'll take them. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Absolutely. Never get uh, that not so fresh feeling. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> oh, oh coming up on the other side, uh, we will dive into the big old bag of mail, starting with a very interesting question, especially as it pertains to the Big Ten and the future of the Big Ten. Michigan or Notre Dame? Who wins a national championship next? We'll get into that and more next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Well, Cover 3 fans, we are so appreciative of all that you do. And now we're just asking for a little bit more, just 60 seconds of your time. Uh, we want you to nominate us all the way to the final round of the People's Choice Podcast Awards. We are a nominee for the Best Sports Podcast category. And if you can just go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up, toggle down to the sports category, nominate the Cover 3 podcast. The whole process takes less than 60 seconds. We've included a link at the top of the episode description as well. We're also very thankful for all the questions that have filled up the big old bag of mail. You can always do that by leaving us a five-star review and put your question in the mailbag episode. Uh, in, we'll put your question in the big old bag of mail for a future mailbag episode. This first question comes from Ryan. 
Love the pod as always, guys. With the recent signing of Lloyd Carr's son by Notre Dame, I'm beginning to miss that old-fashioned hate between Michigan and Notre Dame. In a house of Michigan, I'm the sole Notre Dame guy, so I wanted to hear from you all. Who wins their next title first, Notre Dame or Michigan? Definitely not biased here at all. That house must be insufferable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Notre Dame, I would guess, simply because Notre Dame doesn't have to go through Ohio State every year to get there. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Um, I, I'll, I'll say Notre Dame. Unless Michigan decides it wants to play NIL before kids enter. Like Michigan, if you look at Harbaugh's comments, they seem very intent. And I'm kind of answering another question we had a couple weeks back that I was not no, on no, the it's, show it's, for. it's on the show today. That's what you're thinking. Oh, I'm going to save yeah. this then. Be yeah, it's first. coming up next. That's Okay. Yeah. You know, try, try, yeah. try to craft a an, – it's like an a, sequencing an album. You know, have one thing lead into another, a couple okay. interludes, some some stuff. Did to you text it today? Because I, I did not – like I, I didn't read the, the text mm-hmm. group other than just the pictures we were sending to our families. Our Instagram feed and our text yeah. chat. Um, <laughs> the answer is Notre Dame because Notre Dame's been there more often. Notre Dame played <laughs> yeah. for a BCS National Championship in 2012. They made the college football playoff in 2018, made the college football playoff in 2020. Um, the teams that they lost to in 18 and 20 – were the best teams in college football each of those seasons. And they were inarguably, in my opinion, one of the three uh, best teams in the sport that year. So Michigan had a great season winning the Big Ten for the first time since Lloyd Carr and making the college football playoff for the first time since the college football playoff started. But the program between the two of them that has been knocking on the door much closer was Notre Dame. And Michigan's performance against Georgia, which again, like Notre Dame, at the time looked like they were just getting worked, but the team that they ended up losing to went on to win the national championship. I give uh, I give an edge to the Irish. And with Marcus Freeman moving forward, it does seem like it, Notre Dame is in a position that it is not going to be uh, aged out of college football anytime soon. It. The hangover is old enough that not even all of our coworkers were able to get the reference when they did the Notre Dame released the the hangover inspired short film to debut their uniforms for the Shamrocks. Wait, who didn't get it? I'm, I'm not going to call them out. The kids. The kids. Okay. All right. I mean, listen, man. That was it. The hangover is about 15, 17 years old at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, not all those jokes are going to hit quite the same. But um, I do. I do think that the. The brand of uh, of Notre Dame. I saw Stephen Godfrey call it the likable Irish campaign. It, it doesn't look like they are. It looks like they are keeping up with the times uh, in a in a big way. What had happened to the world when Stephen Godfrey likes Notre Dame? <laughs> like you want to talk about the world, like the college football world being turned on its head. Stephen Godfrey's like. I like Notre Dame. Hey, I think they're cool. I, I haven't <laughs> talked. I haven't talked to Godfrey about this. I'm only reciting what he shared on Twitter. I don't know if he likes Notre Dame or whether oh, no, he's he does. Providing. He loves it. I'll, I'll text biggest, him real quick. He's the biggest Irish fan in the country right now. I think he's providing analysis to say that it is a likable Irish campaign. Stephen Godfrey is of the opinion that Notre Dame is the only thing standing between us and professional college football, <laughs> the is super it, leagues. I mean, that's not. It's not untrue. That's not untrue. No, but he's just... As long as Notre Dame remains independent, college football will at least hold some semblance of the format that we have been working in for the last 15 years. He's He's got a, he's got a Notre Dame tattoo on his bicep now. 
speaking of aging and adjusting to the new era, this next question comes from Tyler. Tyler says, gentlemen, love the show. Makes my drive to work every morning a bearable endeavor. My question is in regards to Michigan recruiting. Typically, the Wolverines finish around the 8 to 15 range by the year's end. However, this year, being that NIL is a big-time factor, UM has been incredibly underwhelming thus far, getting mollywopped by recruiting rivals, specifically <laughs> Notre Dame, and losing out on two five-star quarterbacks in their own backyard. Regent Jordan Acker, former tight end Jake Butt, and other prominent Wolverines seem to think that a market correction will come will come due and paying high schoolers big money before they take a snap in college will destroy locker rooms and cultures is Michigan's lack of quote pay for play mentality. Even in the NIL era going to set the Wolverines back from where they want to be, or is this slow play on NIL with the quote transformational, not transactional approach that will it have any kind of merit? Uh, the questioner's fears are well-founded. Uh, this will set Notre Dame back. Notre Dame has got to be willing to play ball with recruits with NIL before they get on campus. It's not enough just to take care of kids once they get on campus. I know it's not legal, but also there has to be some sort of enforcement arm that you actually fear is going to do something about this, and I don't think that that is going to happen. Uh, I think we will see a market correction. I think that market correction will be in the in the way that he's not anticipating. Though. I think it'll go up, right? We're already seeing this. Some of these kids who last year got NIL deals at the deadline, I think would have gotten a lot more if they were 2023 kids and not 2022. Just knowing what the prices of some of these kids were, like I know a really, really good DN who went for 250K. I think he, if he had been a 23 as opposed to a 22, he'd probably get 500 a year. Just, you know, based on a where year? he was. Oh, yeah. Based on where he was ranked. You know, like, like a top 10, top 15 kid nationally. That's not crazy to think at this point. Not when quarterbacks are, are making you know, 2 million. Now that's AAV, it's backloaded. But yeah, I mean, this is one of the reasons when NIL passed that I was so uh, bullish on what Michigan could do. But then they don't seem to be doing the pre-enrollment NIL stuff, which you have to do. Yes, it's an inducement. Yes, that's what they said the purpose of NIL was for. It was not inducement. But at the same time, the real purpose of NIL was to kicking and screaming, avoid paying the players out of our own revenue any way possible. So doors are open. We're not going to make any rules. Let the states decide it. Um, oh, go ahead. No. So the other thing I think hurts them is, is Harbaugh's flirtation with the NFL. Yes. But this could all turn around very fast. Notre Dame or Michigan could be pretty damn good this year. They have a very easy schedule. Then they could be really good in 23 after Ohio State loses a whole bunch of guys. That's two, three really good seasons in a row to build on. And then you just decide, hey, we will play ball a little bit. We'll stop losing these kids and have them flip to schools, you know, that will will play ball. Uh, and like, why is Michigan pretending that this is a bad thing? And it's not going to destroy locker rooms. Like, have you ever been in the workplace? Some people make more than others. This is just America. I, I think these are just silly tropes that they feed to their to their high and mighty fans. Yeah, I just could. Would it count as nil if Harbaugh buys your baby from you before you come to campus? Purchase? I saw that. I I'm think just that, saying he's willing to buy them if you want to give them up. I, I thought he was just w willing to raise them. Yes, he will raise in. your child. Yeah. I'm making yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm saying that could be nil. The name of your child, the image and the likeness, now now uh, being raised by Jim and Sarah. Mm -hmm. I think, you think that, you, I hope he cleared that with Sarah before he came out and said that publicly, though. Sarah's like, what? Yeah, Sarah's like, he said, what? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that Michigan has always tried to play the um, we don't do it like they do card, right? Yes. They're always going to do that. I don't see them flipping the switch on this. I see them trying to play the, you know, we are the do it the right way program. And even as the rules are going to change, they will always be on the back end of that. I mean, it's like sports gambling legalization across the country. There are some states that you know are not going, they're going to be the 43rd state. You know, they are, they are going to be the last one that's drug across the finish line on this. Uh, same same things with a lot of uh, the makeups of uh, you know legalization throughout the country. And I think that Michigan, when it comes to uh, using the NIL opportunities on the recruiting trail and playing ball, I, I foresee them culturally continuing to do this high and mighty act. I don't think that they're going to flip anytime soon. And if Bud's right and the numbers continue to go up and they only continue to not be a part of this, then the market correction is going to be they're not finishing 8 to 15 anymore. They're going to be finishing in the 20s. They could finish number one if they just weaponize their alumni base. You can buy your way to the number one overall class if you mm-hmm. have a, a quality program like Michigan does and you have a, you know, a proven coaching staff. And I will say, willingness. I know I was joking about Harbaugh a second ago, but like, I do kind of take some offense to the high and mighty portrayal. Maybe they just oh, have Michigan different. fans. I'm just saying, no, like maybe the school just has different priorities. Maybe their game isn't. We care about. We want to be competing for national titles, and we'll do whatever it takes to win national titles. Maybe that's, that's not their ultimate goal. Yeah. I agree. I don't think Michigan does try to compete at the highest level. Mm-hmm. I think they try to compete at sort of like that, just just below that. Mm-hmm. Which is why I had never thought that Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat quite no matter how many former players were calling for him to get gone because they continued to win their home games. They continued to not have any scandal, had good graduation rates, and the donations from the boosters were good. So as long as you were still hitting all those check marks, the fact that Ohio State was working you year after year after year after year, or molly as Ryan I said. In the, great uh, word. I love that word question. so much. Um, then you were they were still going to be okay with uh, – you know, where things were in terms of the state of the program under Harbaugh. Very interesting. Uh, all right, let's go. This next question comes from Jackson. Hey, guys, love the pod. It's consistent, great contact content. My mailbag question is this. If college football had something like NBA League Pass or NFL Red Zone, what team would you like to put on and just watch for a spurt? And I, I mentioned this in the text, but when I, I read this question, I, I saw it as, um, you know, you've you've got a little bit of time on a Saturday and you just want to sit down and watch some fun college football, flip it on. You've only got like 30-ish minutes. Who's the team that you're looking for on the schedule that you want to go and pop in on their game that you feel like will be the best watch or the most entertaining? I think a lot of the Blue Blood programs that you already watch would qualify, but eliminating them from the conversation – uh, Coastal is a fun watch just because that's a fun and interesting offense. Kent State is a fun watch just because that is a fun and interesting offense. And, I mean, defensively, it's hard to find. Troy. More... Yeah. But it's... it'll be pretty salty. Yeah, but it's it's hard to, like, know year in and year out which lower-level teams are going to be really interesting defensively. If I'm only, only going to watch for, like, 30 minutes, I feel like Maryland is going to provide incredible entertainment. Yeah, um, I think that, I was like the first two that came to mind for me were Maryland and Wake Forest. Like I just because the offense could be really fun, and I also think the offense is going to get the ball back really quick. You know, 
we're just going to get to see a lot of plays and we're going to get to to get the most bang for our buck uh, in terms of that. You know, if you've only got to watch something for a spurt, unfortunately, we are going to have to say goodbye to some of those, you know, beloved teams that deliver those unders on windy Saturdays in the middle of the country. Like, much love to you, Kansas State, but if I've only got 30 minutes, I might only get to see, what, two series? One series? Well, I, I will say I do think with Colin Klein calling the plays and Adrian Martinez at quarterback, that could be an interesting offense to watch. Again, I, I think we talked about it in the Big 12 win total shows. I think maybe some people are a little too high on what they can accomplish, but I think it could be interesting to watch. Um, and then as I was starting to look out you know, at, at some of the, the lower levels as well beyond uh, Maryland and Wake Forest, uh, Kent State also came to mind. And as I was trying to you know, really put together like who's a – who's a good West coast team that I would want to watch that you could just flip on and feel like you were going to get really solid football uh, right away. I think Utah state. Yeah. I'm curious about them this year. Uh, I mean, if we can, I don't, I don't know how long we want to go on Utah state, but Ours. I feel like they were one of the, most, <laughs> <laughs> they were like one of the, like the most lucky teams last year. The, the, no, no, no. The, that's hard. That is heart. Oh, when okay. you rally back from double-digit deficits in multiple <laughs> games, you got a care factor, baby. You you got a good culture. I I agree. They were very lucky last year, but I think this year getting Levi Williams from Wyoming, who I think is pretty good, I think that they could just be genuinely good this year. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch. I think the bottom three teams in the Mountain West, and they may oh. not be the three teams that people think, might be the worst three teams. Of any league in the country, word. Like I think if if Wyoming really drops off, right, uh, or if UNLV doesn't take a step, but I think Wyoming's probably the third worst team in that league. I think I think Hawaii and Nevada might be really, really bad, mm-hmm. like you know, extremely bad teams. Yeah, so I, I think you will have a high win total for almost everybody else in that division because I think you're going to have some like zero and ones in a win column. Yeah, I think the Mountain West will be fun at the top and be pretty. Bad. Oh, I forgot New Mexico. New Mexico also is New Mexico may, may be worse than Wyoming again, mm-hmm. probably. And it was funny, Tom, you mentioned that you would eliminate some of the blue bloods that you would think of. If I'm only giving you 30 minutes and I'm trying to give you the most entertainment, I don't know if I'm giving you Georgia. No, no but I'm, I'm slow. I'm watching Ohio State. Yep. Yeah. Watching Alabama. Watching Alabama. Probably watching USC. Might uh, not watch Clemson. Not not when they have the ball. I watch Clemson when they don't have the ball, though. (laughs) But then they're going to get three and out, and you got to go right back to the handing it off to Will Shipley. That's why they're perfect because I can flip back and forth. Uh, Yeah, but I I like the question for sure, and uh, and again, much like the Cover Three podcast is willing to uh, submit a bid for the college football playoff, uh, we'll we'll be your your red zone channel. Um, We will pay. We're not like Coca or Jordan have to produce it though, right? Like, we don't have because that that can't be an easy job. Like, like when there's 50 games going at the same time, and, and I don't have that Scott Hansen bladder yet where you're able to go from like 1 p.m. to 8 p.m. just sitting at the desk. Yeah, there you go. All you watching on youtube.com slash cover three know that Tom's already figured out the uh the, the key to it. All right, this uh, this next question includes some listener props. Here we go. It comes from Nick. Uh, 
he says, great group banter, good mix of analysis and ba- great group providing a good mix of analysis and banter. I have three over under props with all of the lines set at one and a half leading into the season. First listener prop over under one and a half Pac-12 South teams that make the Pac-12 championship game. Remember, we don't have, they still are playing a division schedule, but the mm-hmm. Pac-12 championship will be decided by the two best conference records according to win percentage. So it is possible that two teams from the Pac-12 South could make it. It's possible zero teams from the Pac-12 South could make it, but this uh, prop is set at one and a half Pac-12 South teams that make the Pac-12 championship game. I'm going under simply because I think, like, I think there's a good chance USC and Utah will knock one or the other out of it. Whereas I look at the North and I think Oregon's got it. We talked about it in our Pac-12 win total show. I mean, I'm high on the Ducks to begin with, but I also think they have a favorable schedule when it comes to their Pac-12 schedule. Their non-con is tough, but I think they can manage what they have to do in conference. So I think there's too high of a chance of Oregon being one of the two best records in the conference at the end of the year. So I'm going to go under. It's a great question, though. I mean, re- mm-hmm. re- and a, re- a really well set line. Uh, I thought I thought it. I was like, this is this is tough. I, I think Oregon and USC have a similar chance of of making it. I, I do still have Utah as the favorite. I, I'll join Tom with the under, just because I, I think that I think Oregon's offensive line could be the saving grace, uh, assuming they get the quarterback play they want out of Bo Nix. Uh, but USC is no slouch with all these transfers, and that's also it's Bo Nix. It's hard to count on. Over. We get USC Utah rematch in the Pac 12 championship game. And whatever the result is of the first one, it's the flip of the other, and it bounces the Pac 12 from the college football playoff. Wow. And then the winner joins the Big Ten. Well, either way. It's so, <laughs> win, winner goes to the Big Ten, loser goes to the Big, to, Big 12. <laughs> All right. Next over under from Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Every conference championship game is actually uh, that should be. Oh my god, that's how they should do it. <laughs> if you win, you go to the Big Ten of the SEC. You lose. You had, yeah, you enter the Big Twelve SEC or the Big Ten SEC draft, and if you lose, you go to the everybody else draft. <laughs> uh, second one over under one and a half. Cover three undergrad alma maters that make a bowl game. So that would be Florida State, Illinois, and North Carolina. So of those, one and a half bowl teams. Easily over. It's a bad line. We, we should have said two. And make, make it go, or two and a half, will Illinois make it? Well, no, because there's some chance that, that UNC or FSU could miss. But I think two is a good number because it forces you to make a decision. But Win totals two, alone are seven and a half for North Carolina and seven for Florida State. Right. And what's Illinois? Four and a half, Tom? Five and a half, I think. Five and a half. Okay. Yeah, I, I would probably go over two. Gonna go under. You're gonna go under two? Mm-hmm. Sorry, North Carolina. Sorry, Florida State. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then this last one over under one and a half power five conference champs to repeat as conference champs. That would mean that in so these were our 2021 Power Five Conference champs. They were Alabama. They were Ohio State. They were Pittsburgh. They were Ohio State Taylor. didn't win the conference last year. No, yeah, Michigan. 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 Um, Alabama, Michigan, Pittsburgh, Baylor, and uh, Utah. 
of those over under one and a half repeat conference champs this fall? This is the oh. one I'm most confident. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Alabama and who? Well, Utah's a favorite. Yeah. Right? So you get those two, and then you get three non-zero chancers in Michigan, which has a soft schedule. Uh, Baylor, which anything could happen in the Big Twelve, and you know Pitt, which I think could win the Coastal. I thought this was the easiest over, other than the first one. I'm going to go under. I, th- I feel pretty Ooh. confident in it because I don't think Alabama's even a slam dunk to win the SEC. Georgia could win the SEC. You want to show bet this? Uh, no, because what are my odds? I think just even, right? I mean, like, like t- Tom is confident on the under. I'm confident on the over. I, I feel like we should. Yeah, do it. Show bet it. Yeah. Show bet it. Let's go. Let's go. Add it to the dock. I'm on the under, by the way, too. I, but I'm not as confident because Utah would be the one that would throw me the other way. I think Alabama repeats. I will be picking USC to win the Pac-12 um, with a win over Utah in the Pac-12 championship game when we have to do our official conference predictions a little bit later on in the offseason or as we get closer to the regular season. I do not think Pittsburgh wins again. I do not think Michigan wins again. I do not think Baylor wins again. Um, I am also on the under, though not as confidently and not in on the show bet. All right, let's do one more. Uh, Hey, guys, I'm glad to have found you guys during the dog days of 2020. And ever since then, you have been my favorite podcast. Obviously, most college football fans are aware of the blue chip recruiting teams as you all reference them often. When you see teams that are known more as developmental programs that are recruiting at higher than they normally do, like Iowa, Kentucky, Wisconsin, etc., do you adjust your power rankings or perception of those teams for win totals or in-season bets? Logic would say that if they churn out solid players when they're in the 40s and 50s, being in the 30s or better should make them a stronger program as a whole. Thanks on Iowa and go Hawks. Thank you, Chris Hassel. <laughs> really? Nice. Mm, I, I mean, yeah, it affects like recruiting affects my power rankings. Like the better, more talent you have, it's going to affect how I rate you as far as gambling, as far as my expectations there's a lot more, I think, context that has to be involved. Because, like, if you look, if Iowa's finishing, like, with a top 25 recruiting class, that's going to go a lot further in the Big Ten than it will in the SEC. Like, you could finish with a top 25, you could finish 25th nationally in the as an SEC program and be the 13th highest SEC class. So it's, it there's that kind of context that goes in it. But I think for me, more than anything, it just, when those teams are finishing that high, it doesn't really improve their ceiling as much as for me, as much as it just raises their floor. Like I think a seven and five season is much less likely. So recruiting is oftentimes a leading indicator of where a program is going. Not, not always, but, but it oftentimes is. Uh, if like Kentucky and Iowa are getting higher quality recruits, which they are, and those recruits are also recruits who fit into what they do. Like they're not having pressure uh, to go out and just chase stars, which is a thing we see some staffs do yes. for sure, which is not a good thing because sometimes like you're getting stars who other programs didn't want for some kind of you know personal off-field mental health, whatever kind of reason it is. So uh, if they're taking higher quality recruits who logically fit what they do, then I think you absolutely should be upgrading them because it, it's like recruiting also is a, is a good look into the culture of your program. Oftentimes, if you're getting a bunch of highly rated guys. That probably means those guys had a good time on their visit. They enjoyed 
what what your players said to them, they talked about it. The program is is probably probably not always, but probably healthy. So I, yeah, I would say you should upgrade them uh, somewhat. It makes it, it takes time for me. Um, I don't I don't run a power ratings uh, in anywhere close to as detailed, but I I want to avoid just because you got a, a recruiting class that popped thinking that you're going to be good the next season, or maybe that you're even going to be good the next two seasons. And I want to see sustained raised level of recruiting. And then I want to start to see some of those players actually get on the field and start to show that they're going to be prepared to live up to the four and five star recruiting projections that they got it. I, I put you on off to the side as a team to watch and a team to track in terms of your trajectory. But I try to separate those two things, especially the question said like win totals and betting I, I try to make sure that I am not too influenced by that recruiting success to think that it's going to work right away because Texas had one of the best offensive line recruiting classes that we've seen. The offensive line wasn't good in 2022. You know, it's, it's going to take some time for them to be able to uh, go through the process and be able to develop uh, into the kind of player that's going to be able to make a difference in a win total, be able to make a difference against the spread on a Saturday to Saturday basis. As both of y'all mentioned, very important, but I, I try to I try to be patient with these things such that I, I see some evidence of the recruiting rankings that have gone up on the field before I, I do it. Maybe I'm slow. You know, maybe that makes me a little bit slower to the table, but I at least avoid um, getting distracted by the hype that way, I think. I think it's fair. Happy birthday, Carson Becker. It from it's the also chat? your birthday. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday, Carson. Nice. That's what you get. Good, good cover three listener hanging out, participating in the chat. Thanks to all of you that have been participating in the chat here. And if you are watching it later, uh, you can see it right there. And you can always reach us on Twitter. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Monday with the Big Ten win totals. Big Ten win totals Monday, Big Ten win totals Wednesday. Then the following week, SEC win totals, SEC win totals. Then we get into our win totals locks. Then all of a sudden, man, the season is almost here. We are excited about it. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.